0: One of you is the monster. Monster? We're British, you know. Hello, I'm Chris Denton.
1: And I'm Paul Monk. And we are... A Very British Horror. Right. Today, we're going to be talking about um, the amicus film Doctor Terror's House of Horror.
0: Yes. Yes, yes, we are.
1: Their first proper sort of portmanteau
0: horror film. And and indeed their first horror film.
1: Yes. I think they did, didn't they do a couple of musical type things beforehand?
0: Yes, and the the producers... One, wasn't there a thriller or
1: something they did as well?
0: I, I think there were some terrible, long forgotten yeah. minor films like that. But um, Milton Sabotsky and Max Rosenberg produced a horror film called City of the Dead in 1960, um, before Amicus, which yep. is... Got Christopher Lee, and it's quite interesting or fascinating.
1: Yes. Yeah, we need to avoid the word interesting.
0: Yes. Let's not say the word interesting like we did last time. Nope. That's fascinating.
1: That's <laughs> our word for the for the podcast. <laughs> okay. Being as that this is a sort of portmanteau film, and there's lots of different segments, I think uh, what we'll do is is perhaps. Um, chat briefly about the film to begin with, a little, perhaps a little bit about Amicus, and then go through each, each segment of the film, and then discuss the, the film as a whole at the end, um, which I think would be, be a good way to tackle this. Just again mentioning that there will be spoilers for a 50 year old film.
0: There's a big twist at the end. There, so. is,
1: there is a big twist at the end. See if you can guess what it is. as so we what talk talk through it. <laughs> yeah. um, also, also, um, I'd like to point out that, that it does help if you've actually watched the films uh, that we're talking about, just because. Now you tell me. <laughs>
0: no, I'm joking. I've watched it.
1: Um, it does help if you've watched them because we do obviously talk about um, them in quite a bit of depth sometimes and pick on odd little details. Um, and if you haven't seen the film, then, then it might be a bit weird,
0: but obviously you don't have to. This film is widely available as well.
1: Yes. YouTube. <coughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so I think the, the first thing we, we should say is it's a Portman 2 um, horror film, which is... okay. do you, a, say that
1: port, you say Portman 2? I say Portman 2?
0: I... I I, portmanteau yeah portmanteau that's right yeah is it? i think that's probably yeah yeah Pompeo, it, it, it it's it's one your french it's, it's one of those yes <laughs> um so um a genre well which is um people people say and i'm sure they're right that it was basically invented by um the film dead of night british um forties yep. collection of um excellent um Horror slash uh, ghost stories, um, best remembered for the creepy ventriloquist played by Michael Redgrave. Yeah, uh, and that is an excellent film. Um, and people often say that this 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 Doctor Terror was made because of Dead of Night. And you will see in virtually anything that's written about Doctor Terror's House of Horror, uh, this is a portmanteau film. Portmanteau, yeah. Yeah. It. Um, inspired by Dead of Night um, I think though, I think people are exaggerating the the, the influence of Dead of Night and, and forgetting that um, there were actually a couple of much more similar much more contemporary films um, that probably influenced the production of this movie far more um, such as? Uh-huh. aha <laughs> ha! Tales of Terror and Twice Told Tales. Tales of Terror, um, the Vincent Price film, one of yep. the uh, Edgar Allan Poe movies that Roger Corman made, is a is a selection of three uh, little um, Poe stories um, strung together. Uh, one of them is a combination of two. Excellent, uh, excellent film. Um, Vincent Price in all three segments. Um, Peter Lorre, Basil Rathbone also joining. Um, really worth worth watching. And and uh, I think um, followed the next year by a different production company um, making Twice Told Tales, which is a, a, a similar idea. But then Nathaniel Hawthorne um, right, short yep. stories. In fact, um, House of the Seven Gables, I think, is one of them. Um, so. Those films were made in '62 and '63, and then Doctor Terror was made in '65. Okay. Um, so I, I think, was well, obviously Dead of Night being British and uh, being great, people think of it when they think of Doctor Terror. But oh, I think oh, 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 I think that is a different filmmaking tradition, whereas the um, the, the the two minutes of price movies are obviously the same kind of horror film.
1: Yeah. I mean, the other thing I think that that may, may be a bit of an influence, and this is certainly with, with later Amicus films, is I wonder about the EC Comics side of things. I mean, later on they do Tales from the Crypt, which is obviously a direct... Um, a vault of
0: Horror as well, yes. Th-
1: vault of Horror from from the EC Comics. But I do wonder that that sort of thing was reasonably popular, what, about 10 years earlier?
0: That, yeah, it's the 50s, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah.
1: But I wonder if that has has influence on, on this sort of film, and this sort of style.
0: I, I, and I think I think it certainly does, because yeah. um, although it does have elements of gothic horror, which clearly come from the Edgar Allan Poe and the Hammer films, um, it's also got something else going on, hasn't it? Something a bit more cosmopolitan. Well, I, I, think, <laughs> I think the thing that it shares
1: that's very similar is the, the EC Comics... Um, comic strips were always, always sort of contemporary. And what you'll find with the am- all the Amicus films is they're all very, they're all contemporary films. And none of them are particularly set. And certainly with Doctor Terror, that, it's yeah, not that's, set that's in the past. That's it's true. Set. That's true of all the um, anthology movies. Yeah, yes. it's set in the the sixties.
0: Yeah. Um, there are there there is an exception that proves the rule, but yes, yes. Sir, I think. Uh, um, and also the sort of differentiates <laughs> but it from yes. the yeah uh, <laughs> um from the hammer films um yeah and, and and i think i think they are they are pretty clearly different but this kind of film this uh, portmanteau film is um uh, this is the signature kind of amicus film hammer never made one of these no okay
1: so i have a, I have a question for you okay quickly um, amicus were basically Formed and by Milton Subotsky and Max Rosenberg. Yep, both Americans. So why are we discussing Amicus films on a on a, a, a podcast about British horror films, then, Chris?
0: This film was made in Britain. <laughs> it was. This, 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 I mean, this is the the classic era of British horror when the world made British horror. That's what I think.
1: I mean, they were they were based here. They were based at Shepperton, so... Um, generally using... They were using the Shepperton Studios and, and um, lots of British actors. Well, following and, on from the and su- British directors.
0: Following on from the success of the early Hammer Gothics, um, there, there was uh, a massive movement uh, to make... Sort of a, or, or, I'm saying global, but I mean Western m- m- movement to, to m- make sort of gothic horror films in, in the Hammer style, which, you um, know, in, in America, the AIP, uh, Grant those stories, uh, they were the most famous examples of that. And in, in Europe, you had the same thing. You had um, <coughs> oh, uh, films like Mask of Satan and... Um, uh, Many other kinds of uh, films that uh, were basically slightly European-flavored British horror films. <laughs> um, so, so I, I think, it, and obviously, films is international business, and um, you you wouldn't you couldn't just say everyone involved has to be British before it counts as British. Fair enough.
1: And because we want to talk about them, these films as well, I think. The other
0: any anything we want to reason? talk about is British. Yeah. Any anything we don't want to talk about isn't.
1: I think that's a good rule. Okay, so if we go on to maybe, well, let's let's do a little brief bit about what the the film is. I mean, it's obviously got a framing device that links all the different segments together. And in this film, it's about these um, five men get on a train carriage. With this sixth sixth man, who, who's a slightly creepy old guy, played by Peter Cushing, um, with a, a sort of German accent, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he 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 believes he can tell their destiny, by by drawing their their tarot cards. And they're supposed to tap the terror cards three times.
0: They're, they're uh, kind of sucked, and, and and they're sort of
1: sucked in. And, and they're sort that, each of sucked in. Each segment is, is each one of the men's uh, stories. Uh,
0: and all that you really need to know about this film is the names of the six people. Yeah. Because you've got Peter Cushing playing Dr. Shrek slash terror. Yeah. Christopher Lee. Yeah. Okay, so far, so... We know so, 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 uh, gothic British horror, yeah, it's Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing. But then, yep. then, then the names get more interesting. You've got Donald Sutherland. Yeah. Donald Sutherland, what's he doing in this? <laughs> <laughs> um, then you've got Roy Castle. Yeah. And, um, you've also got an actor called Neil McCallum, who, uh, died quite young and who I don't think ever became a really big star. No. A uh, Scottish actor. And, um, finally you've got DJ Alan Freeman yeah um so al- already we've got a big well we've got two big differences b- between between this film and a hammer film yeah we've got the contemporary setting yeah um but then we've got um we've got people in in this film to whom you, who whom are outside the kind of british theatrical tradition yeah um and, and it's it's interesting you think well this or well, fascinating, <laughs> it's <going> <laughs> <laughs> caught myself doing it. Um, you, you can see it's not going to be the same. This is not going to be the same as, as, as Dracula, of Frankenstein and The Mummy. No. Um, and, and obviously, after that, Hammer went down a bit of a blind alley and, 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 and made films like um, Phantom of the Opera, which weren't tremendously artistically or commercially successful. Um, and then, and, and then there's this thing which is different. And are we going to enjoy it? Well, let's. No, we'll, we'll see. Okay, so if we start about the, the the first segment, which is um the one the werewolf segment. The
1: werewolf segment.
0: Just to give away the. Uh, I think it's. Also, it's about. I think it's also called the werewolf. It is.
1: It's quite interesting. <laughs> I don't know if this. Oh, I said interesting. Sorry, it's quite fascinating. What <laughs> we need is a buzzer. So if one of us says it, the other one presses the buzzer. <laughs> Don't say the I word. <laughs> so so I, what, what I like about this film in general is that in the end credits, it actually does give each of the segments a name, and I can't remember if that's something that then goes forward into all of the uh, the similar sort
0: of films.
1: Yeah, I think it does at least somewhere. Yeah. Well, I, I, I just thought that was... Um,
0: Fascinating yes <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so the basic plot here is um what was the guy's name the, the actor's name I, I Neil McCallum that's it um, he's basically going back to a house that he his family used to used to own in the hebrides somewhere. in the Hebrides um, to see the new owner. Who wants to have some work done. He's an architect, I
0: think. He's an architect and uh, she's a rich she's widow. She's a rich widow. Uh,
1: the, the usual kind of widow in these things. Um, now, now, the first thing to me... Oh, and it's on an island. So, he- you've got an Hebrides island... The Hebrides
0: being islands, yeah. Y- yes, so you've got <laughs> an
1: island in the Hebrides. <laughs> a Hebridean island. You've got a big old house and you've got a ri- rich widow... For me, that sounds far too suspicious. I think I'd be a bit, a
0: bit worried from the word go. But it is his home, it's his I guess so. Yeah. So he he he's all right, and he knows the domestic staff, yes. but they're incredibly creepy and funny with him.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, but he doesn't seem to care. And no, no. And, um, the 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 widow. Um, she wants to knock a. Uh, uh, the wall down or something but then she, she wants
1: to build a, a, a museum because her husband was an archaeologist or something and, uh, and so she wants to knock it through to create a, a ballroom she calls it but it's not going to be a ballroom it's going to be a museum yeah um and okay. i'm not entirely sure that from a business model point of view that 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 location and it, Making a museum in that location I guess is necessarily pri- pri- going to A private <laughs> museum
0: for her, I think. <laughs> but he he doesn't see any flaws in her plan and starts measuring yeah. things and generally and goes, banging
1: walls and stuff like that. Which is a, I presume a well-known architectural technique. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, he um he, he conducts a survey without any expensive props.
1: Yeah. Or necessarily measuring anything, or you know, he just knocks the walls and checks checks
0: Uh, what sound they make uh, and go, yeah, no, this is all right. And and over the then the the, the creepy stuff starts happening. Well,
1: yeah, well let's talk about the 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 domestic stuff because from the word go, they're they're made out to be incredibly creepy, especially the, the old man's granddaughter, and she's she's. Made out to be really creepy, and the music every time they appear, the music kind of suggests that they're up to no good up to no good in some some way, and I don't know that that ever really seems to play out necessarily,
0: I think it's to distract us from what's really going on yes it's, uh, um and as the as our architect. Um gets interested he um is reminded of an old family legend, yeah so well
1: he he's not reminded until he goes down to the cellar, and I'm not entirely sure why he goes down into the cellar if he's knocking them all down um
0: yeah, um just you know, just general nosiness yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yes. So there's some stuff about this old family legend, this this guy called um, Cosmo Valdemar.
1: Something like that.
0: A good old Scottish name, yeah. Cosmo Valdemar, yeah. the, who's, a, who's an enemy of his ancestors, and who's vowed to come back to life and be revenged on the present owner of the house. Um, a word, by the way, on the name Valdemar, um, obviously completely out of place in the Hebrides,
1: yeah.
0: but a clear allusion to tales of terror. Where the character of um, Mr. Valdemar is actually Vincent Price in the third segment. Oh, okay. Thus proving my case that Tales of Terror is an important influence yeah. on this film. Excellent. The uh, prosecution rests. Um, but, <laughs> but 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 back to the back to yeah. the, back to the story. Um, so um, the uh, wolves start howling and. Then, um, yeah. then, then, then the um, the granddaughter is found dead. Yeah. Uh, um, and th- the reaction to that is curiously muted. There's not much. Yeah. Of they,
1: they, yeah. And the grandfather especially doesn't appear too upset. He just kind of.
0: No. It, gets it, on with things. I I I guess they thought any display of grief there would be distracting to the story, but well, it I is think, kind of
1: bizarre. Actually, just just as an aside here, I think this is. One of the things about these these portmanteau films is that they, because they have short segments, um, they're actually quite generally quite efficient in how that how they tell the story. So it generally doesn't leave much room for things like character development and and characters reacting to. Well, I think I think that's right. We, we, we've got they've, they've got they've got what is it, fifteen minutes to move well, the story on. Well, and just it some sometimes it done. not even as much. Well, yeah, yeah. fifteen
0: minutes. Yeah, because it's. Um, there's five uh, short stories and the linking segment, and it's yeah. just over an hour and a half. The film. So. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, probably about 15 minutes. Yeah. So I guess they've they've got to be a bit
1: um, quite efficient with with how the storytelling and, and like, get on with it.
0: She's dead now. Leave it. Forget it. <laughs> yeah. But it, but it <laughs> on, does. I think it does.
1: It does mean that you 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 never quite warm to any of the characters particularly.
0: You never do, yes. Because
1: you don't, you don't ever really get to know know them
0: that much. Well, actually, I think there's an import, I think there's an exception to that, um, which we'll, we'll, we'll come on to. Okay. And I also think I wonder the, if it's the same exception, I'm thinking of, I, I almost certainly is. But I th- <laughs> the um, the linking sequence is very clever because there's a lot of character interaction in the linking sequence. Yeah. Um, other 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 films in in this genre. Don't have all the characters in it all the time, no. uh, and so there's far less screen time for the main for the, for the main character in each segment than there is here. Yeah. And so I think you probably get to know the main characters a little bit more than you do in the other of uh, the, the Amicus movies like this. Um, but this being the first segment, um, you, you're still somewhat bemused by our poor Scottish architect as he is. Revealed to have fallen into the trap that the widow is the werewolf who was after yeah. him the whole time and. Rah, and. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's curtains. And then back into the train carriage, Dr. Shrek says, Don't worry, um, the last card will show you how you get out of this. Yeah. Pulls up the last card. You'll never guess. It's death. Yeah. So he hides it. Um, <laughs> uh, so. I thought for for an introdu- for introductory um, story, it was okay. It didn't yep. drag. Um, <clears throat> I didn't think it was really good. Um, there's no real there's no real performances that I really like. There was there's no. a couple of um, uh, flashes of the werewolves I think are quite well done given yeah. the, the budget. And um, Freddie Francis directed this it film. He did, yeah. And I think I. It ben I think this is very early in his career, yeah. but it benefits from having a, a a name well a director who's now a name and who's obviously a very talented director because um, he does make a lot out of some and, and particularly actually uh, in in Alan freeman's story uh, which we'll get into in a second um, but he sometimes does a really good job of really quite bad material <laughs> yeah. but I think with, with yeah, I think it's um, all right I, did you like this this one
1: um i, I quite enjoyed it I have to say I didn't think it was as obvious that the widow was the, the werewolf
0: no I didn't think no you're right I didn't think I didn't can't get the it was quite a good twist really yeah. I mean um, it, it sort of and, had to and, be her but it was a good go- twist
1: they were very good the way that like you said that they, they just showed little glimpses rather than anything too full on because I think quite frankly that would have looked stupid and I think a lot of werewolf films actually fall down on, on how the werewolves look yeah um, so i think they did a good job with that um and and i i i quite enjoyed it i thought it was was quite sort of
0: pacey it was nice nice yeah introduction. i i thought
1: there was a couple of things though that it was i mean the the main character he he kind of quite readily believes in all the superstitious stuff um but maybe that's because he knows the story of the the house and all that, yeah. that kind of thing um it was it was quite convenient that he knew how to make silver bullets from that crucifix. <laughs> now yeah. I would have thought the, the simple thing would be to try and sort of stab the creature with a crucifix made of silver rather than melt it down into bullets. But I guess that was just a minor thing that I had. I mean, it, they could well have a bullet making facilities sort of in, in, in the shed or something because because of the legend, I don't know. But
0: well, yeah, and also... It was something it's that was passed down from father to son. You know, it's, it's the right. cu- countryside, the countryside alliance will probably yeah. make sure everyone knows how to make bullets. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. You're,
1: you're and it'd be a bit like, well, you know, <laughs> you're, you can imagine him saying, his father coming up to him and saying, right, you're 16 now, it's time to take you out and show you how to make the silver bullets.
0: <laughs> yeah, and yeah. There's a
1: sort of coming of...
0: Um, Uh, well well, I did praise the the direction for the werewolf scenes I mean you never really get any sense that we're really in the Hebrides it's obviously a studio this is a shame Um, I I saw a fantastic film um, a Michael Powell film called The Edge of the World um, where he went and filmed in um, one of the Orkney Islands I think it was and they are fantastic they look Wonderful one on on, on, on the, the the big big screen um, because because it's so um, yeah. rugged and um, spectacular but obviously there was no money for actually um,
1: is there any location filming in this it, it's all set based isn't it
0: I think you're right i think you' don't,
1: right. don't think there is any yeah, which is the
0: stuff. bad news for Roy Castle if he thought he was going to be filming his segment <laughs> in the West Indies. <laughs> and, and
1: Just another thing as well, just quick, very briefly, was I just thought, um, in the back of my head when I was watching this, I was thinking, hmm, werewolves in Scotland. And I was just trying to, trying to think whether there was anything... It almost seemed like that there's a sort of tradition of linking werewolves with Scotland. But then when I tried to think of it... Exa- loads of examples I could only think of Dog Soldiers and the Doctor Who episode Tooth and Claw Tooth and Claw with the werewolf in Scotland
0: I, I I don't think this works as a prequel to Dog Soldiers I so. <laughs> no but
1: it, it it sort of does I think the werewolf legend fits quite nicely with Scotland for some reason
0: I, I think that's very true I think it certainly does
1: so anyway right shall we um, move on to the second segment yeah, with Alan Fluff Freeman, not off.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean it was. It's interesting because it. Oh, it's fascinating. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> Cause he he's not that bad. Really, well, it's, it's quite, quite an understated. Well, you know you just did it. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> well,
1: I actually looked. Um, I actually looked looked up a bit of his career, and and he actually did spend a bit of time being an actor and was also was also a, a producer of of TV shows and plays and that kind of thing before he ended up doing sort of DJing i'm not quite sure how that jump was made but but he did start off in that
0: he he's also um i was reminded he's also got a role a supporting role um in one of my favorite films absolute beginners yeah, okay so I play, he's playing a DJ in that, but he—he—he's
1: that—that at least makes a bit more sense, I suppose, given his past. I but the thing when this was recorded, I don't think he'd started doing Pick of the Pops, which was his the, the thing he took over.
0: That's right. He was. Or I think he, David Jacobs. He was already a DJ. I mean, he was cast as a DJ, but um, mm. this this segment, I mean. You might think that his casting would be the problem, but the, the problem is really what the monster is or the threat is.
1: Okay, so do you want to do you want to get just go into what what
0: the monster him, is? Him and his, his wife come back is. from holiday. There's some vine, some some holly-like, not holly, uh, ivy-like vine growing up his house. He goes, "Oh, that wasn't there. Let's chop that down." They try and chop it down. They can't. Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> So it almost seems to sort of fight back. So they go to the Ministry of it Agriculture. Kill,
1: kills, it kills the dog.
0: does? Yeah, yeah, that, it, That's not good. It, no, it kills a dog. Um, they go to the Ministry of Agriculture. They go, Why, a plant that could defend itself could take over the world!
1: <laughs> and and who is it he's playing that character?
0: <laughs> Bernard Lee. I think that's his name, isn't it? Yep. Of um, James um, Bond. Yes.
1: yes. Um, so is it... Is, could we actually say that he, being, as he works for a government department that actually this is a James Bond tie in? You could certainly
0: try and <laughs> say that. I don't think any of our listeners would believe you. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: uh, maybe this was before they, they actually had the Q division, and so that's, they didn't actually have any fu- funky gadgets to find. No, the plant. So they, ha-
0: they have to set fire to a newspaper. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, they get trapped, anyway, the the plant kills someone from the Ministry of Agriculture, not yeah. Bernard Lee, obviously, no. it would never dare, and um, then um, they, it traps the, the family in the house with Bernard Lee, and Bernard Lee goes, oh, I don't really know what to do, lights his pipe, yep. the plant goes, ah, flames, yep. and, and so he goes, ha, smoking saves the day again, <laughs> and sets fires the newspaper and makes his escape. But the twist is, yeah. that the plant um, then puts the, the the burning newspaper, puts the flames out, as if to say, I'm not scared of fire anymore, and a plant that can defend itself and is not scared of fire is yeah. definitely, it's, it's, definitely, it's, definitely well, going to take that, over I the that, world.
1: That, that it, it it's, it's learned how to do something. In fact, there's a really silly bit in it that I thought was, just kind of made me Chuckle to myself, which is the guy from the, the the Ministry of Agriculture who gets killed. He comes along and he sets up his microscope and he gets a little sample oh, yeah. of the plant. And then he, <laughs> it's a the bit where he looks into the microscope and there's um, a picture of <laughs> essentially a cell from the plant with an actual brain, <laughs> and then yeah. he goes, ah. A brain, or <laughs> something along those lines, <laughs> and it's just so ridiculous because, yeah, a brain wouldn't form like that in plant life. It would, it would be different, and, no, and no. you wouldn't just see that and go, "Oh, a brain,"
0: and that it, explains it, it all. It is, you know, there's um, quite a similar scene in Horror Express. Yeah, where where, where they look into a, uh, a microscope and and they can see like a dinosaur or something. Yes. It's like, it, it almost. <laughs> it's make, like,
1: you almost want it to have a little label on it saying "a brain." <laughs> um,
0: yeah, but, no, but yeah, that. that this is a silly very movie. silly story. This this is clearly nothing to do with um, gothic horror, and no. the, the roots of this story particularly are clearly in the, the kind fricks. of. I know. <laughs> yeah, it was a good one. Um, no, uh, they're clearly in the kind of EC comics yeah. and, and kind yeah. of just silly. Well, I,
1: yeah. The, the one thing uh, 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 I kind of uh, well, the one thing, one of many things that kind of didn't really sit right with me and put me off was the fact that there's no no attempt any explanation for why the plant's there. Like you said at the beginning, they come home; it's just there. I think it's yeah. But there, it's, there's it's no. Just sort of whereas, been, like in the well, previous,
0: there is a, a kind of explanation of the evolution of plants, and there's kind of an indication. Yeah, but that this is the next bit.
1: You know, whereas in the previous one, they give you the background of the, of the family and, and the guy's family, and there's this legend of the werewolf and stuff. So you kind of feel like the werewolf's not coming out of nowhere. But with this, it's just like, oh look, there's a, there's a plant that's got a brain, and it's just it's taking over, wants to take over the world. And there's no, there's nothing, and it doesn't need an awful lot. But I just struggled with the fact that it was just there. It's like there for the sake of it. Yeah, and I don't think that that really helped, and 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 in so much as a plant having a motivation, it didn't really seems have any motivation other uh, okay, than
0: okay. Well, I'll, I'll actually agree with you completely, killer. but I will say there are um, a couple of good things about this segment. The the first is that it's, it's short. It's it's, <laughs> it's it's quite it's quite amusing, but actually. The, the, the sort of quality direction comes through again. The yeah. scene where the, the plant is um, creeping up on and then strangles the um, the junior member of the Ministry of Agriculture yeah. team. is actually quite well done. It's quite tense.
1: Uh, yeah, and I will say that the actual plant movement itself is, isn't too bad. You're not looking at it and I didn't look at it at any point and say oh, that's a really dodgy effect. That's really...
0: No, I think it's actually very well done. It, 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 the, the segment is quite well realised. Hmm. Um, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, that's all. I re- that's all we have to say about that.
1: I think so. Right, should we move on to the next segment then?
0: Yes, yes. Ah, now, now, now. Um, this I was worried about. I was very worried about this because um, the, the, it starts with um, Roy Castle playing his trumpet. You know, you yeah. know. Practically doing the record breakers theme, although not actually doing the record breakers theme. Um, and, and then his agent comes along and says, I've got your great gig in the West Indies. And you think, uh oh, uh oh. Then, because you can see this is going down the voodoo path, and you think, yeah, is this going to be massively, massively <laughs> racist? Because <laughs> it could easily, it could yeah. easily
1: be a really. It could be. But it's not, and actually, Roy Castle does do a slightly insulting. He do- yeah, yeah, racist yeah, he accent. He does It mm-hmm. actually sounds a bit more in Indian rather than West Indian.
0: Yeah, yes, he 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 does do that, but then. So he doesn't even do a racist well, accent, when they actually, well or accurately. When they actually get to um the the what is it? It's, it's called like uh Piety or something. Yeah. Like yeah exactly. When they actually get to to, to the island, um. There is a black character played by Kenny Lynch who's yeah. sympathetic and who, yeah. who kind of rescues it because, yeah. because you see that this isn't going to turn out to be too nasty. No one's blacked up. There's no, no. Like none of that. It's Kenny the, Lynch as
1: well, obviously the most famous to our sort of generation as, as being on mostly blankety-blank and... Celebrity swears.
0: Yeah, but but here, here playing playing a singer. But he he was
1: actually very good. Uh,
0: uh, yeah, and um, and and all the all the black characters are are played by black actors, yeah. and none of them are um caricatures. So, uh, the, with with uh, in fact, the worst voodoo caricature is probably in *Live and Let Die*, which is a fantastic yes. film. But there isn't really anything Absolutely. like like that no, here.
1: Um, what I thought was was good about this was that the um, the whole voodoo religion, as it were, it, it, it's, it's not necessarily portrayed
0: as being evil,
1: is it? It's not portrayed evil. It's not portrayed as being overly magic. It, orientated either.
0: I mean, I think it's obvious that Roy Castle's and, in in, and, in the in and, and the Roy role because he, he he sneaks to a voodoo ceremony, basically looking yeah. for girls. But he likes he likes the music they're dancing to, and so he writes it down. He's, then he gets caught, and and all they do is tell him, yeah, don't use that music. Yeah, and and then he 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 says, I'll oh, I'll split the profits with you. He says, like, the, the the priest goes, no. And he says, like, the music is hundreds of years old. And then yeah. he says, aha. This, uh, <laughs> it's, uh,
1: it's out of copyright then.
0: It's <laughs> a good
1: line. Really it is good a good line. line. But Roy Castle's character is a complete twat, isn't he? Essentially. He's
0: um, just... Yes, yes. He's,
1: he's not... Well, because he... Likeable.
0: He, <laughs> he's just he, an idiot. He goes back to London and, and, and puts on a new show of voodoo music and the voodoo god. Um ruins the show and then follows him home and um, this this, this, this guy this big black guy in tribal costumes in his room and just takes the music off of him and walks away and Roy Castle just sort of faints and that's the end and uh, and I thought you know that's actually I don't think it's racist which I was quite impressed with, it's not scary but (laughs) at least it's not racist I do like the way that, that
1: Kenny Lynch's character does say I told you at one point as well to him.
0: Yeah. it was quite good. Yeah. He, he's, he, he's kind of like well I wouldn't do it but if you want to fair enough <laughs> off you go. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, so uh, and actually Roy, Roy, because of that interplay because Roy Castle's character is not really horrible either he's just no. being na- naive. I mean yeah. He, uh, yeah. he he uh, and obviously he, he's, he doesn't believe he's a in a bit sort of selfish.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but you know but not necessarily in a nasty way, but no. Um, do, you, do you know what would have um what would have helped him what he really needed in this, though? What would have uh, dedication. <laughs> dedication is what that's, he needed. That's what he needed. Uh. <laughs> I do realize that basically no one under the age of about 35 is going to get that reference. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so so yeah. Did you? Yeah, I've written that it, that it wasn't a very supernatural ending to this at all. Um, so what did you think of this segment? Did you did you enjoy it?
0: It could have been a lot worse.
1: It could have been. Yeah, you're right. It, I, I I did quite enjoy it. Given that I, I was thinking this could be really bad.
0: Um, yeah. So I, I and it's like like the others. It's it's brief. It moves along. It is interesting. Yeah. And, and the, I'm using that word correctly. Yes. <laughs> um, so it does. It does. It does. Um, yeah, it does work. It works. Yeah, I mean, you would never be able to do this kind of story now, but in the sixties, no. it, yeah, yeah, it, it works.
1: There, there is a, a bit I noticed where um, it, it goes a bit all self-referential. There's a bit where he walks past a the poster, poster, the poster, Dr. poster yeah, House of Horror.
0: Yeah, that's
1: good though. Which was um quite interesting. Ah, quite fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I I I did quite like. There, that. there were no other ham- Amicus films it could have been. This is the first yeah. major one. That's that's why.
1: Yeah. And it does it does give the idea that Doctor Terror has a little kind of show perhaps that he travels around with in theatres. Well. <laughs> Telling people how they're all going to die.
0: I should just say that um, despite that poster he, he doesn't actually call himself Doctor Tarot. nope he's he, Doctor Shrek and his house of horror is his tarot deck yeah, so, yeah. not quite as spectacular no. as the name suggests okay, well, he's, he's I, not a big green troll either I'd like to point out big green troll okay that's
1: a bit random Doctor
0: Shrek 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 you mean oh, yeah. oh the yeah sorry I yeah. Uh, yeah, popular yeah. culture. We can edit that down. <laughs> um. So, so far we've had three s- stories. Yeah. Um, t- so, not spectacular successes, but all all been reasonably entertaining. Okay. So, but, Right, do you uh, want
1: to tell us about the fourth one
0: then? Now, the excitement has been building because in, in the linking sequences, Christopher Lee has been playing a full part and he's sitting next to Peter Cushing and you just think... Yeah. Sooner or later, it's going to be. Well, cool.
1: he he's in this in the linking segments. He's very anti it all and saying, "No, it's all a load of rubbish and this is nonsense." And I can't mm. believe you're all being drawn into. But he's this taunted, game.
0: and in the end, he goes, "Why? There's that's absolutely I don't care. I'm not scared." Yeah. And he, he, he in his story, he plays the not. Can I just
1: point out something at this point? Okay. He doesn't tap the deck three times.
0: He doesn't. No. All the others do. He doesn't. No. Um, I don't
1: think there's any significance in that, but I just thought it was worth
0: it. It is established that you have to tap the deck before your fortune yeah. can be told, but, you know, this is Christopher Lee. So. Uh, <laughs> um, He's alright. Yeah, yeah, he, he plays. So, when we were
1: talking, can I just say, when we were talking about the. I
0: will get the summary of the plot out eventually, <laughs> but no, please, it when, sucks.
1: When we were talking earlier, you mentioned something about. Um, we were talking about the characters being sympathetic or, or being able to be more rounded was this the segment you were talking about
0: no ok
1: alright
0: gone. on he's, he's not sympathetic
1: no I didn't mean sympathetic but he's
0: um, he, 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 well Franklin Franklin Marsh I think he's yeah. not a critic yeah. and um, he um, goes to a show um, and hates the art and then yeah. the artist turns up it's Michael Goff Michael Goff Michael Gough still sadly not a big superstar <laughs> like Christopher Lee or Pierre Cushing, but hanging on in there still in the mid-60s. And, um, you know, uh, Christopher Lee says, oh, I I hate your art. And he says, well, why do you come? And Christopher Lee says, well, I get made to come. And then some pretty woman says, oh, could you look at this? What do you think of this? And and she shows him a painting. And um, he goes, oh, this is fantastic. And then um, they say, would you like to meet the artist? And it's a monkey.
1: It's It's a chimp. It's actually an ape. Yes. But yes. Yes. I was sitting there waiting for somebody in this segment to say, Ah, it's a monkey. And I was going to go, No, it's an ape. It's a chimpanzee. Yes. But they didn't actually do that. But you did.
0: (laughs) So, anyway, this chimpanzee is irrelevant. (laughs) Because... (laughs) um, then Michael Goff starts haunting Christopher Lee at various events and putting him off. So Christopher Lee just mows him down with a car, which is what you do to someone annoying. But he doesn't even kill him, but he does um, sort of run over his arm and knock his hand off, or something yeah, like that. Crushes his hand. Yeah. He have, yeah.
1: <coughs> There's um. See, this is what I, why I thought that, that this was maybe just a tiny bit sympathetic. In that, basically, Christopher That's Lee is is a horrible character. and it, he's he's not nice. Um, but then Michael Goff's character does rather obsessively wind him up constantly. And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where, where, and, and I get the impression you know, this has happened Goff over is, a number of Michael months. Michael Goff
0: has never wound me up though. <laughs> But uh, if you're in
1: a situation where somebody has wound you up about something, but they they won't let it go and they keep winding you up about it for 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 a very long time, and not well, I, that I called I would that chimpanzee
0: a monkey. I got nearly there, I have to say, <laughs> nearly there. <laughs> not that I would ever advocate
1: <laughs> sort of running a car at someone, but is there not a little tiny bit of sympathy with Christopher Lee at that point where you're thinking?
0: Well, let it go. Yeah, yeah, and I think this is a good example of Christopher Lee's fantastic acting. He draws yeah. you in. He's basically exactly. playing an unsympathetic character, yeah. but you can get on but his at side. At that
1: point, I was sort of rooting for him a little bit. Yeah,
0: I think that's 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 his quality. Um, but okay, so that's not the end of the segment. No, because because then uh, Michael Gough um, shoots himself. Yeah. Um, with his other hand. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I <laughs> wonder uh, <laughs> how many goes he had before <laughs> he actually did it properly because he was using his his wrong hand.
0: Yeah, um, but <laughs> kept it, I, <laughs> <laughs> oh. but but the original hand, the first hand, the one yeah. uh, goes after Christopher Lee, and it's like a disembodied hand, like yeah. like a sort of malevolent version of the Adams family hand. It is, yeah. Um, and it's the special effects. quite it's good. great. The special it?
1: effect is good, isn't it? And I, I'm. Uh, I have to say of all of the segments I found this actually genuinely creepy I actually thought the hand was was, was actually a really good prop, prop. and it, it it moved quite well
0: um, yeah. and yeah and he dealt with it in quite he sort of fights it a couple of times yeah. you think he's got got <sighs> the upper hat upper hand yeah. <laughs> and um, he traps it in a box ties the box up and chucks the box in a lake yeah. and then he buys everyone drinks to celebrate yeah this is good. But, um, no, uh, unfortunately being a supernatural disembodied hand comes and gets him. And he, he, uh, it does. uh he, um, loses his eyesight in a car accident that the hand causes. Yep. And, um, he's previously said my eyes are my life. So, yes. you know, he's basically got a bit of karma there. He has, um,
1: which is something that
0: happens in a lot
1: of these sorts of stories
0: from beyond the grave. is all about karma. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, um, and that's the end of that. Yeah. And uh, like the, all the other characters, yeah. he gets the death card yeah. from Doctor Strike afterwards. Um, so this segment is my favourite segment.
1: Yes, mine
0: too. It's got the big guns of Christopher yeah. Lee and Michael Goff and um, it's got the best special effects. Yeah. It's, it's the creepiest. It's the one that comes closest to actually still working. Yeah, It's a kind of horror thing. So yeah, it's great. and And, and I think it's been cleverly built up to because you've been waiting for the Christopher Lee segment. Yes, and it's worth the wait. Um but there is one more segment which there is there is which is um Donald Sutherland. What is Donald Sutherland doing there? I sort of knew this but I had to I had to make sure but um he wasn't famous when he made this film. No. He, he um he he had been he studied um over here at drama school and he'd just been a jobbing actor for a bit worked his way up he's in some European hor- I think yeah. he plays an old woman in a in a in a in a European Christopher Lee film which he okay. did the year before <laughs> I think I think yeah uh, but then um he's he, he's in he's in this movie but as an unknown yeah and uh, a couple of years later uh, after some TV work he um. Got a leading role in the Dirty Dozen, and then he's a big star. Right. But here he isn't. They've yep. just massively lucked out by getting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But his um. Here he plays a young uh American doctor takes his French wife to their to their sort of yep. small town American um home, and um. He, she starts ravenously vampirizing. Because she's, well, it's quickly kind of established that she's probably a vampire. Yeah. And um, there's a bit where she's
1: basically turns into a bat.
0: Yeah, which is quite a good, now, good indication that 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 th- might that's, be. That's
1: yeah, that that might be a vampire.
0: Um, and and he turns to the other doctor in the town who's got a Van Helsing figure, Doctor Blick. Yeah. And um, together they they fight the I, vampire I, menace.
1: What was interesting? Oh no! What I enjoyed about this, or what I thought was, compared with the last segment, which had the really great hand prop, the bat
0: prop in this, it's not good. Awful. I've never seen a bat done well. But there's well. never, there's never
1: any good one unless it's actually a real bat.
0: Yeah, and the thing, of course, um, I don't know why people had this obsession. It's like. Vampire bats are nothing to do with vampires. They're some South American yeah. thing. Bats aren't scary. No, bat, just just leave and, bats And it alone. seemed in this
1: that she had to turn into a bat to do the vampire stuff.
0: Yeah, which is kind of a strange, which seemed a re-
1: really weird way of doing doing vampires. Yes,
0: um,
1: um, and the other the other thing as well is she's when they go and see that. The, the, get the other doctor, and he's got a patient who's a, a, a small kid, who, whose mother is apparently the, the only English person in, in this American setting, um, and he, he's suffering from anemia, and they they notice he has the bite marks in his neck, and um, and, and possibly kind of.
0: Um, this, is, this is this is like Dracula. I mean, the the with the doctors and 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 and, and the and anemia and yeah. Uh, it, this whole segment is not—it's slightly reinterpreted, truncated version of Dracula. Yeah, there's, there's a couple of things though that that a bit
1: unsettle me about this. In um, first of all, this is a, a boy that a vampire's been drinking the blood of, which if you think about who the vampires are, that's kind of creepy. They're picking on a, a, a little boy. I mean, presumably because he sleeps with the window open, which I made a really big thing about.
0: Well, in um, in, in the Dracula film, we, we talked about mm. a couple of episodes ago. Lucy picks on a um, a little girl. Mm. So I think I think vampires, yeah, vampires go for kids. It just
1: it's just kind of a little creepy, I think. Yeah, in, in I not not in the kind of scary sense, but in the not particularly nice sense.
0: Mm, but effective horror.
1: Maybe,
0: yeah, maybe yeah, I guess so. Um, the the twist is Doctor Blick is really a vampire, and he manipulates yeah. um Donald Sutherland into staking his yeah. wife, who is also a vampire. Yeah. But, but um, at the end, he goes, "This town isn't big enough for two doctors or, or two, two vampire. vampires." And, then he turns into and that,
1: that actually made me laugh out loud. That yeah. I thought that was I thought it was brilliant in a really awful way. I thought it was terrible. Cheesy, but it and, and, made me laugh.
0: And there we go. You see, this is the, the film kind of has effective moments of of horror and suspense, and it's also got ridiculous things in. it
1: Yeah, but I, I do think it was meant to be genuinely silly. I don't know. I that, that was necessarily meant to be a moment where you go, "Oh, that's really scary."
0: I think you're right. Um, because the real like it's genuine like a, the genuine scare comes just afterwards because yeah. then go back to the linking sequence and they, so they start to worry about who Dr. Shrek might be yeah. and um, he says, haven't you guessed, and disappears and then they get off the train uh, at some mysterious station yeah. and then the train vanishes and there's a, a, a newspaper that um, falls and the headline is, train crashes, five dead. Yeah. Obviously them. And yeah. then. And then Dr. Shrek's up the platform and he turns round, and it's death. Yeah. Dr. Shrek has been death all the time. Bum, bum, bum. And that, I think, is probably supposed to be the big scare. Yeah. Again, yeah. Not the, aim am a vampire. Except he, when he
1: turns around, he does have quite a sort of cheerfully grinning skull, which looks
0: quite jolly. I think that's just what skulls look like. I know, but it just
1: looks a bit <laughs> jolly. It could have... Made it a bit more horrific, perhaps. <laughs>
0: maybe. <coughs> yeah, maybe it's yeah. It, it it's not a tremendously good shot actually because it really no. is like a skull with a hood. Yeah.
1: But, um. But and the thing is, he wasn't wearing a hood before. Yeah, which is all wearing a hat. So.
0: But he's probably supposed the to be the Grim is, Reaper, isn't he? Uh, the
1: character is still wearing that hood on the platform, isn't he? Is that my right thinking? So when they get off, they go, oh look, it's Doctor Shrek, but he's he's got the hood on, so why would they...
0: Well, he's got the hat on over it, hasn't he? Doesn't has that he? Come over? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. He, he is wearing Doctor Shrek's coat and has got his right, bag, yeah. so it does look a bit like Doctor
1: Shrek. I guess he needed the hood because otherwise you'd see the back of the skull and it would be a bit a bit obvious. would mm. would be quite such a cool reveal.
0: So, um, and, and that's, that's the end, and I think, you know, yeah. we've got a film that's a mixture of creepiness and silliness. Um, and it's interesting... Oh, God, <laughs> <laughs> it, It's notable that this film was made at about the halfway stage of the British horror boom that um, really began with Curse of Frankenstein yeah. and really ends about ten years later yeah. Um you could just about go up to to the Devil's Daughter, 1976. That really is the end of that this era of British horror. So um, this 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 film probably some of the seriousness has gone compared to yeah. the very po-faced, um, really shocking for contemporary yeah. audiences of the uh, the the fifties ones, the Hammer, Hammer originals. Um, but the the effects haven't completely worn off I mean people still like the stuff that's you know they still like Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee and find yeah. them scary and the the, the the whole Doctor Shrek thing I mean, I think I think that people would have well it's hard to know how 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 it would have been interpreted but I think there, yeah. there was a, there, there is enough creepiness there now that you can see it probably was a creepy a properly creepy moment back Yeah back in the, back, in, back in the day um so uh, i think I don't, I don't know where this film fits in i mean um the the amicus subsequently had a quite distinguished um, run of horror films both this kind of horror film and other, kind, other kinds ne- they never they never went to the gothic classics no they they always tried to keep it Contemporary, but give it the kind of twist of um, you know the 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 gothic flavour that uh, that we'd like. I I, I mentioned now the screaming Starts, which I think that 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 was as far as they went towards the 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 really kind of gothic element. And they also tried various other different things. Um, they, They 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 employed Vincent Price, Hammer. Hammer never did. Yeah, that th- th- they, they got him over a couple of times, well, I
1: think. Isn't I, I, looking at the, the research I did. They, I didn't realise they did the Monster Club.
0: That's afterwards. Yeah. So that Is that, that that's Milton Sabotsky, yeah. but not Max Rosenberg. I think right, I think okay. it's not Amicus. Monster Club's um, credited to Swords and Sorcery Productions. Oh, I okay. think not Amicus. Amicus um, basically uh, ended. More or less when Hammer ended, but um, I think uh, at, depending on how you count it, at the Earth's Core, yeah, yeah. or or the creatures of Time Forgot, that's the, the last one. So right. they did um, six seventy six, seventy seven. Um, but then the ah mo- oh, the Monster Club, the most yeah, um, the Monster Club was kind of a failed attempt to do this kind of yeah. film in the eighties yeah. and. There was just no way in the '80s that people were interested. They were interested in a totally different kind of horror film.
1: Yeah. Okay. So should we go to onto the the three questions we always ask? So did you did you like this film?
0: I did like this film. Yes. What about you?
1: Yeah. No. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was good. Good fun. And does it hold up today?
0: No. But it, it's oh, it's still very very watchable but you can't, it's not a horror film. I mean, no. you, you can't be, it's nothing scary. Oh, well, I know that's a different question. Yeah, but well, let's
1: answer both then. Cause the,
0: the third question, is it scary? No, it's not. No. Um, does it hold up? Then that's kind of, uh, maybe if you're not, well, certain things hold up, but it's there's yeah. too much ridiculousness in it. Yeah and and, it, and and it's not like i mean obviously there's lots of ridiculous things in like little shop yeah. horrors yeah. um but then that's intentional whereas doctor terror i think it's not i mean some of it some some of it is meant to be funny but i don't think it was i think it was meant to be a horror film with funny bits like yeah. a funny film with yeah. horror trappings um so i thought i thought the writing um wasn't bad but yeah. Wasn't really good, um, and I, I Amicus. Um, a lot, a lot of their films were written by Milton Subotsky, who was yeah. their producer. Now Hammer did the same thing. John Elder, who, yeah. was, who was Anthony Nelson Keys' um, producer, wrote yeah. a lot of Hammer films, and I just wonder whether both companies under underrated the role of the screenwriter. Because those early Hammer films were Jimmy Sangster, Penn, yeah. and and he. You can looking back, you can see his ones because they're a lot better <laughs> than yeah, the yeah. John Elder yeah. ones. Um, and I, I know that um, there are a couple of these um, Amicus uh, portmanteau films were were written by Robert Block of Psycho fame, yeah. and yeah. they're. A more effective. They yeah. hold up a bit better than the Sobotsky stuff. So, you know, I think the lesson here is if you really want to do something that really stands the test of time, get a proper writer in. Yep, I think so. And I think as well, in, uh, because of the, um,
1: the they're all set in contemporary settings, so they're all, all sort of 1960s se- settings, mm. they date a lot more than, say, the the more gothic horrors. Yeah, I mean that's so so you know like the the earlier ones, the earlier Hammer films from from the
0: 50s and the early 60s.
1: Almost they're not as dated as as this because because they're, because, they're, because of that more classic setting. I well, think.
0: they're set in some sort of uh, sort of possibly Victorian middle European Neverland, aren't yeah. they? And that. Yeah, that doesn't. That doesn't. In fact, you still get films that are set basically there today. Um, that um, Hansel and Gretel from uh, I don't know if you saw that, but no, a no. similar kind of thing, and the uh, Brothers Grimm, and there's lots of, people still use that that sort of pretend sort of Central European fantasy yeah. um, land that, that Hammer kind of created. Um, whereas, if you, yeah, if you said something. You, you make something contemporary, it will, it will definitely date, and then you're just hoping that people, um, I, I, I guess, always view it as contemporary, and that's just never going to happen. Yeah. Because I, I, I just think it's impossible to make to, to make a period piece set in the present day, because you haven't got the perspective, you don't know what's culturally significant and what's not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: Okay, so on that note, I think we'll we'll wrap it up. Well,
0: um, let's let, let's decide what we're going to um, talk about next time. I know we have decided, but let's tell yes. let, let, let's tell the world. Okay, so we're going to discuss the Boris
1: Karloff film *The Ghoul*,
0: which I'm really looking forward from to.
1: 1933. I think it's
0: 1933. Yeah, I'm really yep. looking forward to this um, because I do love Boris Karloff. Yes.
1: Okay, so you can find us uh, in the usual places on the web, on our website at verybritishhorror.blogspot.co.uk or on Twitter at VeryBritHorror or on Facebook, uh, just search for A Very British Horror.
0: And come, come and have a chat because um, we yeah. really, really like that. Yeah.
1: Um, and if you like what we do, tell all your friends and get them
0: to, to listen to us as well. Yeah, and helps. like Facebook and it helps if your friends are interested it. in British Horror no it.
1: even if they're not interested just force <laughs> them to listen to it <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, they're going they to do. like it anyway yes absolutely and um, until next time I've been Chris Denton and I'm still Paul Monk goodbye bye